Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Thank you for being here this, this weekend at Discovery Point. It's great to see you, and God bless you. And we're so glad that you're here, and we appreciate you spending some time with us. I want us to turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 7, and just a brief conversation this weekend with a little question, are we there yet? And I know you've heard that question. If you have children, you've heard the question, are we there yet? And I asked the question in the context of Romans 7, because Romans 8 is just around the corner. Romans 8, we're almost there. Just a couple weeks, we're going to pull in to that beautiful parking lot And there's going to be a flashing sign that says Romans 8. It's the destination we've been looking for for weeks now. But to get to Romans 8, we've got to walk through Romans 7. Not to say that Romans 7 isn't significant. Romans 7 is that area when you drive to your favorite destination, California, Flagstaff, Tucson, You just cannot wait to get there, San Diego. But you know there's somewhere on that journey, there's a part of that journey that if you don't remember the destination, there's a part of that journey that is difficult, uncertain, and you begin to ask yourself, why in the world am I doing this again? So if you're driving to California, you move west, you cross the border, you get into California, and you start praying. Amen? And there's an area there, it seems like, just goes on and on forever, and it's significant, it's important, and in some ways, that's Romans 7. You just got to dig in and put your heels down and put the crews on and say, all right, man, we're going to do this thing, because there's so much in Romans 7 that if we do not discover and understand, we'll never see the beauty of Romans 8. So we must see Romans 7. In, 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 in the best understanding that we can to really dial in to Romans chapter 8. Romans 7, Paul is in a conversation about the law. So I'm going to ask you a personal question. I do not expect you to answer the question out loud, but I do want you to reflect on the question. It is this. For those of us who drive, when was the last time you violated a traffic law the last time. Now, I want you to think about that question. And, and uh, as you think about the last time you violated a traffic law, I want to ask you when the violation happened, uh, where the violation happened, why the violation might have happened, and how did you know that you violated a traffic law. You remember years ago here in the Phoenix area, there were these cameras. And these cameras would catch those speeding lawbreakers. Do you remember that? And uh, I don't know if we still have the cameras or not. I, I don't know if we do, but, but the cameras were a big thing, right? They would take your picture. They would send that picture to your house. And, and, and I know at our house, we had uh, two pictures come to my house. And uh, now, those two pictures, as my picture wasn't on the picture. 
And so we had one person within our household that we got two pictures of on two separate occasions. And you can narrow that down a little bit. Wasn't me, wasn't my son, wasn't my daughter. I don't know who it was. And one of those times, she's like, hey, I was on the way to the airport to pick you up, and I was running late. So we, I think we've lost those pictures. But we had these pictures of, of those who violate traffic laws. Oh, by the way, how many of you violated a traffic law today? Would you mind raising your hand? That's most of us. Yeah, did you know in, in, in the state of Arizona, I think we're the only state with this law. It's called the stupid motorist law. Uh, it's an interesting law, and we are in monsoon season here, right? So the law is simply this, is that uh, if you maybe drive around a barricade or you enter into uh, an area where there could be high water, you're crossing a, a wash or something along those lines, and it's marked. And, and so the law is if you get into that situation and you need to be rescued, guess what? That is likely on you. It is the stupid motorist law. Now, I think every state probably could use a stupid motorist law. Someone has said that laws were made to be broken. So in chapter 7 of the book of Romans, Paul goes into this issue of the law. And so let me just begin this in saying this conversation about the law. My question is, what law is he speaking about? So uh, there's a few ways to look at this. And so specifically, we have the Ten Commandments, right? You're aware of those. In fact, in the Ten Commandments, Paul actually quotes one of the Ten Commandments in the passage we are going to read. So there's the Ten Commandments. That's considered law. Uh, there is the Mosaic Law, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, often referred to as the Torah. And then some scholars say there's just this general written ordinances of God's Word that also can be described as His law. But I think in the, in, for our conversation, the context of Romans chapter 7, I know at least we're talking probably at least about the Ten Commandments because Paul uses one of those commandments in this conversation this weekend. So let's go to Romans chapter 7, and I'm just going to extract a few things that I see Paul uh, highlighting in the passage in regard to his relationship to the law. And, and the first thing is this, is that, is that the law reveals sin. That's the first thing we see. Look with me there in verse 7 of chapter 7. Paul says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would have not known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. So we see in the passage, that one of the things that the law does is it reveals sin. So, for example, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, we kind of see a summary of this same idea. Notice what Paul says. So, the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Kind of a summary statement about the purpose of the law. It, it was, in fact, your translation may say that the law was a, a tutor. This, this verse carries with it this idea in the first century that in, in, in well-to-do homes, if, if they had a servant in the house, that, that that servant would be responsible for the children to get the children up, get them ready, get them to school, get them safely to school, and bring them safely home from school. Same idea. Their responsibility was to get the children to and from school. It's this element and this idea of being a tutor. So when we talk about this, the purpose of the law, 
Paul says in verse 7, it is to reveal sin. Notice what he says in Romans 3.20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, the law, through the law, we become conscious of sin. And Paul knew this all too well. In the book of Philippians, he talks about he is a Pharisee of Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. And then he says, to the law, faultless. He understood this idea, but notice that the law reveals sin. It's much like an MRI machine. Now, if you've been coming to Discovery Point for any length of time, you understand the issues that MRI machines and myself have had in the past. Uh, I have total love and respect for MRI machines, but we just don't get along very well. I mean, I love them. I respect them. I'm a fan of MRI machines as long as I don't have to try to go into one. But if you think about an MRI machine, it is a diagnostic tool that helps us understand maybe what's going on within us physically that we cannot see. Does that make sense? It shows something about us. If there's something going on within our physical life, an MRI machine will reveal what's on the inside. Now, if the MRI machines find something wrong with us on the inside, there's a sickness on the inside, we don't come out of that MRI machine and get angry at the machine, do we? We don't blame the machine for what the machine has done more than just showing us actually what's on the inside. We don't blame the machine for the sickness that it finds. The machine is actually helping us in ways that we never understood until we went into the machine. It is a diagnostic testing machine, much like the law. The law is a spiritual diagnostic testing machine. Paul says it reveals the sin in our lives. He says, I would not have known what coveting was apart from the law. He goes on to say, and the second thing I think I want you to see from this passage is this, is that sin uses the law to produce rebellious desires. Look with me in verse 8. Notice what Paul says in verse 8. He says, but sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Paul is saying that sin, notice what he says, but sin, seizing the opportunity of the commandment, this sin is using the law to produce rebellious desires in us. This word produce, he talks about uh, purpose. It means to achieve, to accomplish. The, sin is accomplishing rebellious desires in us by using the law. Now, Paul gets real, doesn't he? He gets pretty transparent about his own life. He talks about some type of challenge with being covetous right? So notice, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21, this is where we find God's law, the Ten Commandments, and this is commandment 10 of the 10. Notice what it says. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house, your neighbor's land, his manservant, his maidservant, his landscaping, his swimming pool, his car, his ox, his donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Something is going on in Paul's life. Do you see it? Where this, he's getting super transparent with this element of this rebellious desire that he is obviously in this struggle 
against. Isn't it amazing how that sin uses the law to make the forbidden things more attractive? Has that ever happened in your life? Sin will do something and will use what is good. For us to see, that looks really attractive. I don't know what it is about us humans. We have this proclivity when something says do this, we want to say, no, 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 we want to do that. Understood? A couple weeks ago, my wife Sharon and I, we were in Flagstaff. There I was officiating a young man's wedding and his bride-to-be. He used to attend our church, sing on our worship team, and he had since moved to Flagstaff, and he invited me to officiate his wedding. So we were up there on a, on a Saturday evening at the wedding, and once the wedding had concluded, through a, a, a set of interesting circumstances, my wife spent the night in Flagstaff with our daughter, and, and I came back home to be in, in church uh, on that next Sunday morning. And so we were in my wife's car. Now, my wife's got this little SUV, all right? It's, it's a Buick. It's not a Bugatti. Don't get crazy here. It's a little SUV, but it has a lot of bells and whistles. Uh, so, for instance, it has, uh, it has heated seats. Can I get an amen to heated seats? Uh, it has a heated steering wheel, which, by the way, at this time in Phoenix, we all have those things, right? You're like, hey, this steer- I got the heated steering wheel. I didn't pay for this. And these seats are so warm. It's 100, you know. We all have that at this time of the year. But there are certain times of the year that some of you have vehicles that you actually have that when it's cold outside. That's my wife's vehicle. A lot of bells, a lot of whistles, and it's just got a lot of that stuff to it. One of the things that it has is it has this uh, Apple CarPlay. And so I jumped in her car, and, and I'm going to leave Flagstaff, and, and I plug in the Apple CarPlay. I really like the Apple CarPlay. I use the maps and the music and, and all of that. And so I, I'm leaving Flagstaff, and, and this is a couple weeks ago. And a couple things I want you to see about the screen. Uh, to the top right, there's the speed limit. Now... No longer am I able to go miles in between speed limit signs, right? As I drive the car, constantly the speed limit sign is up. And by the way, I was pretty convinced that this thing was, wasn't going to work. And so when you enter into a, like a 65-mile-an-hour zone, guess what? It'll show 65 miles an hour, right? How many of you have something like this in your, your vehicles? Okay, I need to up my game a little bit. Uh, so the speed limit's always there. You're always reminded, hey, man, here's the law right? Commandment number 11, thou shalt not speed. Uh, And so I'm leaving Flagstaff. You see I have uh, 114 miles to get home, have an hour and 35 minutes. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see. I want you to look at the arrival. This says that I'm going to be home at 8.53 p.m. Now, I don't know about you, but when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. A little bit of a personal challenge, right? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not arriving at 8.53. Surely I can beat 8.53. I mean, it's downhill from Flagstaff. And not only that, the Suns game was on. And so I just figured they came up with that arrival time. I'm assuming what happens is they take the speed limit, uh, they coordinate that with the miles to go, and they give you an arrival time. And something, something rebellious in me said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow that arrival time out of the water. And without any details, just to let you know, 
I beat the arrival time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Of course, to do that, I, I might have sped a, a little bit. Isn't it amazing how that sin will use something that's good? In this case, Paul said sin is using the law to produce these rebellious desires in us. From idolatry, from idolatry to adultery, to lying, to cheating, to stealing, to dishonoring our father and our mother, to not observe the Sabbath. And then Jesus takes it to the next level in the book of Matthew, doesn't he? When he talks about if we even think this, or we say that, or we're angry with someone. Jesus takes it to a whole nother level when he begins to talk about this element that sin is using the law to produce rebellious desires in us. And that's what Paul says about sin in relationship to God's moral standard, the law. The last thing that I want to extract is the rest portion of the reading is this idea that sin uses the law to bring about death into our lives. Sin uses the law to bring about death. Let's begin reading in verse 9 of chapter 7. Notice what Paul says. He says, once I was apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me. I want you to see what he says right there. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, then he says, it deceived me. Sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, even deceived Paul. And he says, through the commandment, put me to death. Verse 12, so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. What he's saying in verse 12, he says, the law is not the issue, sin is the issue. The law is not the problem. Sin would be the problem. Verse 13, he says, did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Paul says that what happens is that the law reveals our sin. Then he says that sin, seizing the opportunity by the commandment, will take the opportunity and will reproduce these rebellious desires. I think even in the people who follow Christ. And, and, and then he says right here at the end, he says, then sin not only will produce these rebellious desires, sin takes it further than that. Sin will now produce death. Use the law to produce death in us. Here's what I want you to take away tonight. This one idea. Mark, can you bring up the next slide? This is what I want you to take away. I want you just to leave with this one idea, this one thought, this one truth. Is that the enemy uses the requirements of the law 
to produce death. Christ fulfills the requirements of the law to produce life. I, I, I want you to just focus in on that and let that go within your spirit, is that the enemy uses the requirements of the law, and he produces death. Christ fulfills the requirements. Does he not say this in the book of Matthew? I didn't come to abolish the law, but to do what? Fulfill the law. In him fulfilling the law, he brings life in an environment that was filled with death. I don't want you to miss this. Joseph said it like this, what you intended for evil, God turned into good. So I want you to notice what's going on, and then I'm going to wrap this up. I want you to notice here's God's moral, perfect, holy law. Paul says that in the passage. God's law is perfect. It's righteous. It's holy. The enemy comes in, and he uses sin, and, and, and he twists that law, and, and, and he takes that law, and he twists that law. It reveals our sin, and then it, 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 it produces these rebellious desires in our lives. It produces death in our lives, and God takes that. In that moment, God takes the requirements of the law. He fulfills them in his son, Jesus Christ. Christ, and out of death comes life. That is what it means to live an exchange life. You see, the exchange life is not about living up to the requirements of the law, but rather surrendering to the Christ who fulfilled the law. Understand that. Living the exchange life is not about fulfilling the requirements of the law any longer. Are we there yet? Romans 8.1 is coming. Now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. The exchange life isn't trying to fulfill the requirements of the law. The exchange life is surrender to Jesus Christ, the one who fulfilled the law. Requirements of fulfilling the law is what we call religion. Surrendering to the Christ who fulfilled the law, that's what we call relationship. That's redemption. So wherever you are at in this conversation of the law this evening, have you been justified by this Jesus Christ? Or, or are you betting on yourself to be able to fulfill the requirements of the law? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to bet on myself to fulfill the requirements of the law because I too, like you, have actually broken a law today. So why would I bet on myself? I'm not going to bet on myself. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus, the one who has fulfilled the requirements of the law, the condemnation of the law. He's fulfilled all of that, that you and I can walk in the freedom and in the spirit to fulfill the law in the same way that Christ fulfilled this law. Do you know Jesus? You say, Pastor, I've never met Jesus. Why don't you just give your life to him? Why don't you turn your life over to Jesus right now? Right now. Give your life to Jesus. No longer stress over the requirements of the law. Give your life to Christ. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. As the Spirit fills you, then your relationship with the law now changes. Maybe you're a believer. You're already following Christ. And, man, as you follow Christ uh, in my life, it's been so easy 
to think, oh, i got to fulfill the requirements of the law. And, and, and I start living from law rather than from spirit. Rather than being led by the spirit, I start living by the law. And that's this conversation that Paul has. Are we there yet? No, but we're getting close. We're getting close. we got one more stop in Romans 7. And then we're going to wake up, and we're going to see that flashing light, Romans chapter 8. And there we will see a different paradigm of what it means to live the exchanged life. Pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, this is so important that we have an understanding of what the exchanged life looks like. To understand the relationship of the law and sin and redemption. Paul gets so transparent with this conversation. He talks about his own covetousness. He talks about his struggle with this. And Lord, I know that many of us in the room, we have those challenges. We struggle. We know that sin is seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment to bring about death and struggle in our own lives. Father, may we not live burdened by the requirements of the law, but may we live surrendered to the Christ who fulfilled that law. I would just invite you right now as we close, just in this moment, if you've never said yes to Jesus, just pray this to him tonight. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. This is not a religious conversation. This is a conversation about Christ redeeming you, giving you a new life, setting you on a new path, free to walk in His ways, not in your ways. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you're a believer in the room, I, I want to remind you of what Paul is talking about. The exchange life is not us fulfilling the requirements of the law. No, no. It's living in a surrendered posture to Christ who fulfilled the law. We are to be spirit-led followers of Jesus. So wherever you are in your relationship to Christ, I encourage you right now, maybe just a moment of recommitment to Christ to bring you and Him into that relationship at a deeper level, deeper than you've ever been, maybe a fresh commitment to say, Christ, I'm surrendered to you. I'm coming back to you in a new and a fresh and a deeper way. Father, change our lives and our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.
Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.